Good morning. My name is Kelly Ochoa. I am um, a member here at the Vineyard. I also serve as part of the prayer ministry team. And uh, it's my privilege um, to be able to share this time with you today. Uh, you've heard Alan and Kurt talking the last couple of weeks over uh, gratitude. And I, before we go on, I just want to acknowledge that I recognize that heading, heading into the holidays, not everyone looks forward to them. Not everyone is excited about Thanksgiving and Christmas. Um, but I just, today my prayer for all of us is that we can uh, link our hearts and minds to the giver of good gifts that we can experience God's love in a deep and meaningful way. And even if you don't like Thanksgiving or you don't like this season, my prayer for you is that you'll be able to connect your heart and mind to the giver of good gifts and that through him, we'll be able to um, perhaps operate uh, a little better as we take on this season. So our scripture today is um, not one that's unfamiliar to you, uh, these guys have put this up for you over the last couple of weeks, and I'm going to do the same. It comes from 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. And I would ask you just to um, lift your voices and, and join with me in the reading of God's word. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Piece of cake, right? Easy stuff. Always, continually, all circumstances. You got this. I start reading that and I think about me, Kelly Ochoa, doing anything, always, continually, in all circumstances, and I'm immediately freaked out. For those of you that know me, I'm a bit of a variable. I don't do anything twice the same exact way. But beyond that, these are really strong words. Always, continually, all circumstances. Very, very strong words. The thing about it is we can't skip the piece of this that anchors us to the ability to do what God calls us to do, which is in Christ Jesus. So yes, on our own, always, continually, and all of anything is hard, if not impossible. But in Christ Jesus, it's a different story. It would be unattainable. It'd be hard, if not impossible. But here's the very, very good news for you and me this morning. God doesn't ask us to do it on our own. He doesn't ask for that. He promises to be with us in and through all things. In fact, God desires to abide in us that we may abide in him. Abide. Sounds a little legalistic, like rule following, right? It actually means when you look it up, it means to accept. So yes, in the context of school and societal rules, you have to accept the rules of engagement, right? Because if you don't, there are consequences. But it also says to act in accordance with. To act in accordance with. In accordance with what? God's word and the promises made to us through the sacrifice of his son. Act in accordance with 
Christ Jesus, right? That's what his word's telling us. So we know, how many of you are in business? How many, how many of you are, are business people, right? So you know the value of a powerful strategic partnership, right? You know, you can't do things in business without constituents or business partners. You just can't do it. Well, if you think about what the scripture is telling us, regardless of what you do for a living, we have an opportunity to enter into the most incredible and powerful partnership of our lives. Think of it that way. To abide, God desires to abide in us that we may abide in him. That is an incredibly powerful partnership for living. And, and look, we know he doesn't need us. He's God all by himself every day, every, you know, every day, all day and twice on Sunday. He doesn't need us. But here's the beauty is that he desires to be in partnership with us. He desires that relationship with us. And this relationship allows us to tap into his power and love and live live the life that he planned for us, which is way better than anything we can dream up for ourselves, right? The idea in business is <clears throat> if you engage with, you know, good supply chain people and you can bring customers the lowest cost products and high quality and all these things, you're able to take your company or, or your institution further, farther, faster, better than you would have been able to do if you didn't engage in those things, right? So in a practical sense, we know that to be true. But when it comes to God's desire to abide in us, that we may abide in him, this is a grand opportunity for us to take our lives to the place he desires for us, which is further, farther, faster, better than anything we can do on our own. So in a practical sense, um, we can't realistically expect people to, to be happy and joyful when bad things happen. We can't practically live on our knees, right? We can't do that in a practical sense. Um, it's extremely hard to be thankful amidst pain and suffering. That's hard. It's hard. Yet God directs us accordingly. And, you know, I say that obeying these commands always continually in all circumstances tends to go against our natural inclinations. It's not an easy thing. It's much easier to have a little fit throwing or a little temper tantrum or a little kick stomping, you know, in the back. It's, it's easier. But that's not what God calls us to. And I just want to say again, he doesn't call us to do these things on our own. We are not on an island. We're not operating by ourselves. Did you know that thankfulness appears in the New Testament 71 times? You know how I know that? My friend Google. <laughs> right? 71 times. And we say something in my profession when we're trying to communicate important information to the front line. We say seven times seven ways. For the mathematicians in the room, how many times is that total? Seven times seven, Rhonda? 49. 
This appears seven times 10 plus one, right? It's 71 times. And that leads me to believe that God probably wants us to get it. He wants us to get it. Why? Because it's so, so important to live um, what I like to think of as in a posture, right? It's, it's a posture of gratitude. And why is that such a big deal? Why is a posture of gratitude a big deal? Gratitude is a spiritual practice that helps us recognize and appreciate. Recognize and appreciate God's work in our daily lives. Again, I don't know about you, but for me, that's not always easy. I don't wake up singing like, you know, Belle and Beauty and the Beast going through the community singing and hello and all the things in her beautiful dress and her fixed hair. I mean, that, that's just not really, it's not really how I roll. <laughs> I'd like to. It's just not really how I roll. So, you know, recognizing and appreciating God's work in our daily lives changes us. It transforms us. He gets on the inside of us. He abides in us that we may abide in him. The reality of it is, you know, my family is and has been dealing with a couple of really heart-wrenching things over the last few months. Tough stuff. And, and, I, and I share my heart on this this morning. It makes me emotional. But, you know, my, my niece lost her baby. Hard. My brother-in-law is battling cancer. Hard. My husband has herniated discs. Hard. There's a lot of hard things going on. So my tendency, you know, on my own would be to focus on the situation. Because I'm messed up. <laughs> I'm a hot mess. So my, my tendency would be to focus on the situation. And so learning to recognize and appreciate God's work in, in my life on the regular helps me to connect back to him. Um, I'll miss it on my own every time. I'll miss it every time. But when I link my heart to him, when I avail myself, when I am open to him abiding in me, that I might abide in him, we get a different outcome. Let's look at Philippians 4.8. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Again, real easy stuff, right? No. <laughs> Thank you, Ken. <laughs> it's hard. But I'm so inspired by this scripture. I am so inspired. Despite infant loss and despite cancer and despite, you know, uh, craziness around us, I am so inspired by this scripture. You know, it, it, it's my personal free pass to meditate on. It's encouragement to meditate on and remember and think about the awesomeness that linking our lives to God produces. It doesn't mean that we won't face challenges. It doesn't mean that at all. In fact, quite the contrary. But it, it explicitly says 
to dwell on, to dwell on whatever is true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, to dwell on those things. But how do we do that? How do we do that when, when we're enraged in a battle? Um, I work in healthcare leadership. I have for 35 plus years. Indeed, I started when I was two, so I'm only 37. <laughs> and, um, you know, I, I, I work with an incredible team of leaders. I am so blessed to serve beside them. And I tell them often, I, I tell the leadership team, you know, it's easy to lead when it's easy, and it's hard to lead when it's hard. Profound, I know. Um, <laughs> But it's true, right? It's easy sometimes. When it's easy, it's easy. And when it's hard, it's hard. So the real, uh, you know, the real thing we want to have cross over here, the cross section we want to get to is that posture of gratitude and praise, even when it's hard, right? That's, that's the quest. So, you know, in the same way as it's easy to lead when it's easy and hard to lead when it's hard, it's easy to be thankful when things are groovy. Thank you, Jesus. You know, we're rolling. Things are good. But it's a little bit harder to do that when it's hard. The Lord got my attention um, a few years ago when my children were little. And um, I'm going to tell this story and ask you not to judge me on how my house is, <laughs> but because I'm about to tell you how it was. But you know, one night when the kids were small, we moved to, um, we, we had built a home in West Oaks Village on English Oaks Drive, and my husband said, we should wait, because that's a main street, and we have two active boys, and we should get a cul-de-sac, and I said, no, 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 we need to go now, and I was completely wrong, and we should have waited, and we should have got a cul-de-sac, and so anyway, four or five years in, we needed to move, um, because Austin would kick balls into the street and chase them, and I was a nervous wreck all the time, so we found a house in a neighborhood near here. Um, that home was on a couple of acres, and it was old, and it was beat up, and it was broken down. And I don't have any crafty skill. I cannot color inside the lines, and I struggle to match clothes. So thinking I was going to renovate this house was really pretty silly. <laughs> so, but nonetheless, you know, we felt like that's where God was calling us, so we moved. This house had electrical problems. Uh, it had a septic tank, and that was an education all on its own. Um, <laughs> I didn't know about that. In fact, Brittany, uh, my older daughter, one day, uh, it was raining real hard, and she and I were going to the store, and we couldn't flush. And so, um, I don't know if you're supposed to say that in church, but anyway, we were struggling. And so, she said, Mom, where did y'all move us? I mean, you know, it, it, was, it was a crazy time. But anyway, one night, I, one afternoon, I feel like it was on a Sunday afternoon, I cooked a huge dinner, and I baked a cake. There's a classic cake we bake and eat in our family, and it's real high-caliber box cake stuff. Um, but the kids loved it growing up, so cooked their favorite meal, cooked this cake. And I had no dishwasher in this house, among many other problems. And I had four kids and no pantry, and so things and stuff were everywhere. This is why I ask you not to judge me. Um, and so the kids got their showers and got in bed, and Dave went to get in the shower, and it was about 11 o'clock at night, and I had to be at work early the next day. And I looked around my kitchen, and there was stuff everywhere. I mean, I felt like every pot and pan that I owned was dirty. All the plates were dirty, the knives, the forks, the glasses, all the things and stuff. And I was there facing this mound of stuff. <clears throat> and there was a window over my sink. In the daytime, it was wonderful because my husband had built a plaything, a, 
little swing and slide and clubhouse type thing. So I could be in the kitchen and look out and see what the kids were up to. But at night, that window served as a mirror. There were no curtains on it, just like a little thing across the top, a little swag across the top. And so it was dark outside, and so that, that um, window served as a mirror. And I was pretty worked up. I was pretty worked up. I mean, I was scrubbing those pans because nobody would help me, and I was slinging that stuff over into the... I, 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 listen, it wasn't my best moment, okay? I mean, it just wasn't my best moment. But I was doing all these things, and then I caught a glimpse of me in that window. And it served as a mirror that enabled me to reflect on how I looked. And there was a woman in that mirror, in that window, mirror, whatever, that I didn't know. I didn't know who that was. And you think, you know, it's just dishes, Kelly. It's a small thing. Let me tell you something. God met me right there in that kitchen in a profound and unmistakable way. And what I heard, what I heard over that kitchen full of dirty dishes is, there's probably at least two million women around the world that would love to have fed their children dinner tonight. Yours are fed, and they had their favorite cake, and they're bathed, and they're in their warm beds, and they're covered up, and they are well. I became a little bit numb. I was numb. I, I you know, I didn't break out into song. I felt very very um, convicted, very ridiculous for the, you know, scrubbing and chunking pans from one sink to the other. I was humbled to my knees in that moment, and I didn't quite know what to do with all that. You know, an encounter with God will bring you to your knees. And so I just grew quiet I quit looking at the crazy woman in the, in the window, and I just did the job that I needed to do. I got in bed that night, I don't know, it was probably midnight or after, and I got up the next morning, and I, and I thought, never, never again, never again are you going to hear me complaining about washing those dishes. Lord, help me be reminded that every time there are dirty dishes that my children have been fed that they have gone to bed full. And so to this day, I will often hum or sing worship music when I'm washing dishes. And this may seem like a silly thing to you, but that was a transforming moment in my life, in my posture of gratitude and thanking God. And you might also say, look, you know, dishes are not like the stuff I'm facing. But for bigger and harder things, I want to point us right back to God's word. If you look at Hebrews 12, 28, it says, Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom, a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe. This teaches us to recognize the riches God has granted us in becoming citizens of heaven. Our citizenship is not here. Yes, it's here part-time for right now. But our true citizenship is in heaven. For those of us who follow Christ, we have full assurance that no matter what happens here, 
cancer, infant loss, broken bones, financial woes, you name them. Our future is built on a solid and unshakable foundation. This enables us to have an eternal view, an eternal perspective beyond right here and right now. And why is that eternal perspective so important? Well, because sometimes things here are painful. Sometimes we pray and our prayers feel like they've gone unanswered. You know, our reassurance, though, is anchored in the promise of spending an eternity with Jesus. Just let that ride. Our assurance, our reassurance is anchored in the promise of spending eternity with Jesus. Gratitude now, gratitude today and now declares that God's heart towards us never changes. He's faithful yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Amen? Yeah. So gratitude simply is a declaration that God's heart toward us never changes. It doesn't mean that we're getting better, you know, or that we're good. No, it's a declaration that God's heart toward us never changes. It doesn't say we won't have dark days or hard times or disappointments, but it helps remind us that we can be thankful despite those things because of God's unfailing love for us. We do not serve a fair-weather God. I want to share a little bit more of my personal story, and this is why you're going to think my house was a mess. Because it was. Raising four kids in 1,100 square feet, that's a force to be reckoned with. But how many of you are responsible for laundry in your home? Well, some of you got the lucky card. Um, how many of you love that day? Woohoo! It's laundry day. Let's go. John. Um, yeah. Much like the kitchen, one night I walked into a laundry room, <clears throat> and in this old house, interestingly enough, our laundry room was long, and it was like one of the biggest rooms in the house. I'm like, who built it? Who, who thought that was a good idea? Anyway, um, so I walked in there, and my immediate Keller response, because I will tell you, I am somewhat of a slow learner. So the Lord has had to teach me things over and over, okay? I'd like to say I get it the first time, but I didn't. So I walked in, and I see this mound of things. My boys played baseball. Um, they brought in more than probably what you could buy at the city dirt place of Red Dog Dirt that was all over everything, you know. So I had two boys playing baseball. They were changing clothes nonstop. Um, my girls danced and cheered. They were changing clothes. We had two clothes changes every day and then some. We had sheets and towels and dish towels and all the things. And I'm pretty sure at night when we closed that laundry room door, there was some sort of, you know, a birthing going on of dirty clothes. But anyway... <laughs> I walked in there one day and my initial response, and this is after the dish thing, and I walked in there and I was like, you know, that's the, that's the look, that's the sound. This, this particular night um, happened when a very, very dear friend of mine and coworker had just lost her 21-year-old daughter to suicide. My older daughter um, had gone off to college and um, I walked in there, and my flesh said, but the Spirit of God said, be grateful. Your friend would do anything to wash laundry of her child. And, and again, God showed up in my laundry room, y'all. That tells me that he cares about 
the itty-bitty, nitty-gritty details of our lives. He is not a distant God. He's a right here, right now, abide in me that I may abide in him, God. He's available. He's available for me and he's available for you. So I changed my tune about washing clothes. I also taught my kids how to do their own laundry, but, um, <laughs> but I changed my tune, right? I mean, listen, they could sort like nobody's business, but I then taught them how to wash that stuff and put it up because when my boys were little, I'd often find folded laundry in the dirty clothes, and that was never my best moment, I'm just going to tell you. I, it just wasn't my best stuff, you know? Um, so I taught them to wash their clothes. But here's what's on my heart. So often, our problems, the problems that we perceive, are born out of our blessings. Stay with me. Stay with me. Our problems are born out of our blessings. How many of you got in a car and drove here today? Mm-hmm. If you have a car, you might get a flat. A car is a blessing. A flat's a consequence of the blessing, Right? But if we, we're living in that posture of gratitude, now we're not going to drop down on our knees and start thanking God for flat tires, right? It's not practical. But if you have a car and you get a flat, a car with a flat is still a blessing. I mean, that's what a posture of gratitude, that's how you, we recalibrate our heart and mind. If you have a pile of dirty laundry, it means you have clothes. Clothes are a blessing. If you have dirty dishes, it means you have food, Right? Therefore, dirty dishes are a blessing. Small stuff, I know. But I firmly believe that it's in the small stuff that God teaches us this discipline and this spiritual practice to prepare us for the big stuff where it's not as easy to live in a posture of gratitude. So developing an attitude of gratitude, right, is is merely learning to identify more with the blessing itself than the consequence of the blessing. It's learning to praise God for that car and trusting him to work out the scenario with a flat tire because it's not lost on me that you got to pay for flat tires and if you're me, you can't change one. You need somebody to answer the phone when you make that 911 call, right? But I'm saying... Developing an attitude of gratitude is helping us, it merely teaches us to identify more with the blessing itself than the consequence of the blessing. I'll say this, my house is a little neater now. There's not as many mounds of laundry. We moved, I have a dishwasher. Um, but you know what? I don't complain when my counter is full of dirty dishes because that means that something rare has happened. My family has all come together to break bread, to share a meal. My daughter and her family live in Tennessee, right? So this is, this is rare to have us all under one roof. So today, if I can have that counter blowing up with dirty dishes, I say, thank you, Lord. Amen, amen. Because that's rare. So I want to encourage you to count your blessings. And for all the young families in the rooms, I just want to say this. Sometimes the days feel really, really long. But I promise you, the years are short. They're short. And so, you know, just soak it up. 
Just soak it up, soak it up, soak it up. So how do we break the habit of seeing the consequences of the blessing more than the blessing itself? Snap your fingers? No. How many of you are familiar with the concept of breath prayer? All right. And I don't mean if you're breathing, you should be praying. Well, I do kind of mean that, but, you know, a breath prayer, um, it's, an, it's actually an ancient form of prayer that is easily adaptable in any situation and, and can be used to recalibrate our hearts and minds. Sounds easy enough, right? Let me tell you a little, little let me share what happened, how I kind of learned to um, leverage breath prayers. I, I went to a class uh, one time and they were teaching this concept. And, you know, the idea is, is that you identify a trigger, whatever works for you. When you open your fridge, when you lay down at night, when you get up in the morning, when you get in your car, get out of your car, walk into your workplace, I don't know. Whatever, whatever it is that reminds you to, to pray. And this is not a long, drawn-out prayer with eloquent words because God doesn't care if you use eloquent vocabulary or not. He could care less. He cares about the conditions of our heart and the fact that we want to have a little chat with him on the regular. So a breath prayer is something, in theory, literally, that you can take a deep breath in and say by the end of that, you know, by the time you exhale. And there's all kinds of things that you can pray about. Where this really became a reality to me, my older daughter, Brittany, was diagnosed um, in 2015 with a brain tumor. Remember earlier I was telling you God met me over the dishes and then he met me in the laundry room. I'll tell you something, he met me when my kid had a brain tumor too. He sure did. And my posture wasn't all that grand either and it's still not from time to time because I'm flawed. But I am reminded that he wants to abide in me that I might abide in him. And so, breath prayers. I asked everybody that I knew that had a picture of Brittany to put it on their fridge. You remember that? I said, please put my daughter's face on your fridge, and every time you open that fridge, say, God, please give Brittany complete and total healing. That's about the length of a breath prayer. It's a few words. It's not fancy. It's just a few words. And I uh, joyfully and gratefully stand before you today to tell you that my daughter is fine. She's better than fine. She had neurosurgery at Memorial Hermann down in the Texas Medical Center. And when her neurosurgeon came out to speak to me and my husband and, and Brittany's dad, here's what he said. First words out of his mouth, your daughter is cured. Oh, and the surgery went well. He said to this mama, your daughter is cured. So if you ask me if I believe in the power of breath prayers, I say yes and amen. It doesn't take a lot of words. It's not about eloquent speech. It's not about all these things that sometimes we get in our heads around. It's literally just opening ourselves to the one. Just opening ourselves to the one. He cares about every single detail of our lives. Another breath prayer that I often use in the morning is breath of God, breathe on me. Breath of God, breathe on us. What that means to me is that I'm saying, God, come align your way. Have your way. Align with me that I can do what it is. Whatever it is, whatever you breathe on me. If you breathe on me work, if you breathe on me peace, 
If you breathe on me, heavy lifting, whatever it is, Lord, breathe on me. And while I don't say it, I mean, have your way and help me to lean into whatever it is you breathe on me. So breath of God, breathe on me is a breath prayer that I often breathe. My hope for all of, the, all of us this week is that God's love will penetrate our hearts and minds. I pray that he will give us eyes to see that he is good. Not only when things are good, but he's good all the time. God is good all the time. And all the time, God is good. I believe in developing an attitude and a lifestyle of gratitude in the little things helps us anchor for life's big storms. Gratitude gives us a godly perspective. It connects our life to the source of life. And I will say this, science tells us that living an attitude of gratitude has all kinds of really groovy benefits, both emotionally and physically and psychologically. But we don't need the science. It's there, but we don't need that. Because God's word tells us that is his heart for us. We don't need science because our maker says he wants us to live in this posture of gratitude. He wants us to abide in him that he may abide in us. He cares about the details. I want to leave you with this scripture that is really my prayer. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. May today you have spiritual eyes to see and a heart ready to count your blessings. Amen? Amen. All right, at this time, Alan's going to come up and close us out. they're working on getting me a microphone that you can hear I won't speak really loudly but it's going to it's going to power itself up we working on it we're good all right the work of God is good all the time what we've heard today is a beautiful encouragement to meet the normal life. You realize that the life Kelly described for us this morning is normal? It, it resonated within you. I, I can see from where I sit the resonance. I can hear with my ears the resonance. And so the question that she posed for us, I will pose in an opportunity to respond to the work of God. Where do you need for God to make himself known in your mess?
Messes surprise us. They take us like unaware. You know, they just take us unaware. Where do you need God to meet you in your mess? I'm going to ask you to be really bold and vulnerable and human. If you can say, there's a mess in my life I'd like for God to meet me in right now. I just want you to stand. There's a mess in my life. I need God to meet me right now. I want you to stand right where you are. Just, just yeah, I, Okay, I got, I got you. You can't stand. If you can stand. There's a mess in my life. This is normal. This is normal. And so now, if you're seated near a friend, would you just go to that friend who's nearby? Would you just ask them, if, if you need to, would you ask them, is it okay if I put my hand on your shoulder? So I, I need you to move around. Like some of you have friends seated next to you. Some of you are going to have to move around. I don't want anybody standing alone. For every one of you standing, this is not the first mess you've ever been in. It's not the first mess you've ever been in. It's not the last mess you'll ever be in. The attitude of gratitude will now say, Lord Jesus, will you awaken me to the places you've met me in my mess before? And will you raise my confidence that you're going to meet me again right now. So I'm going to pray, and as I pray, would you, standing with your friend, just begin to pray out loud and join me in that prayer? You pray your prayer, I'll pray mine, and God hears them all, and as it were. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You see and you know the mess that we are in for each of us. Today we ask that by your Spirit, you would release from us the why or the how we got here. And you will reveal to us the where you are at this moment. And in that where you are, may you be an ember of light that begins to shine and bring attention to your glory and your presence and fill our hearts with hope that you are at work in this thing for our good. This mess isn't good, oh God. We just say it. It's not good, but you are.
And so now, expand our capacity to see that ember. Breathe Holy Spirit on that ember into a small flame. May that small flame become a fire that brings life and light to us. Today, Lord, we give ourselves to you. And we are thankful for who you are and what you're doing. My breath prayer for us today is, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, have mercy on us, I pray. Would everyone stand? If you'd like to continue to pray, please do that. May require a little discernment. We're just shifting ourselves a moment. You don't have to stop praying. You can continue to pray. You can receive prayer. But I also know that we got kids and we got all kinds of other things and people to see and places to go. But what I want to encourage you in the next weeks to come that you lean into and that the Spirit will remind you of this good word that Kelly gave us today on gratitude. And so now, whatever you need to do to receive the blessing from the Lord, turn your palms up, lift your hands, however you want to do that. I bless you now as the people of God to receive all that he has for you. May you receive the breath of his life as you rise in the morning. May you experience the breath of his life in the heat of the day. May the cool breeze of the breath of his life blow on you. And as you lay your head on your pillow at night, may this breath sustain you and keep you. And give you peace. Not the absence of mess, but peace in the midst every mess. This I pray in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Be at peace until we see you again. The Lord be with you.